Well, with that being said, will you go in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 35 through 41 today. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. If you're able, would you stand today, just so I know you're there with us. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It will also be up on the screen today as well. This is what the Bible says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke Jesus up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Heavenly Father, as we enter into your word today, God, I ask that you would just speak to every heart and every mind. Lord, anoint me and help me to preach your word today. Help me to give the revelation you've laid in my heart that it will set the captive free, that it will help us, Lord, be free in our mind. In your name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. I know for a fact that somebody needs to hear this one today because of the random battle that I have faced myself preparing for this. I spent all week working diligently, praying and seeking God about what he wanted to say today. And this morning when I woke up to drink my cup of coffee and make sure everything was in order and my notes were ready to go this morning, they were all gone. They, gone. They were there Friday night. They were there Saturday. And for whatever reason, technology, and I can't even really blame technology, I believe that I'm going to be talking about a piece in the storm today. I believe that the enemy tried to send a storm through technology to try to mess some things up. So this morning I was praying and I was seeking God and I said, Lord, you got to remind me of everything that was in those notes today. And so I scrambled and I did what I could to get it all lined up and in order today. But I believe God is really trying to speak to somebody and that is why we've had these battles. I, and I have, I have been preaching for 10 10 years or so at least uh, that I can remember and and I uh, using technology and all of those things and I have never had this happen to me before I'm almost to the point I'm ready to throw it all away and go back to a pen and paper just because of this one instance but I tell you that to tell you this that there are times when the devil attacks things and attacks the work he's trying to do in some people's lives Maybe this is for one person, maybe it's for everybody, I don't know, but I believe that somebody needs to hear about having peace in a storm today. Storms look different for everybody, 
But one thing that is true about storms for everybody is that they come at random times, they come unexpectedly, and they come with force that is very great and heavy and hard and terrifying at times. You see, storms aren't something you expect to happen. Or maybe you do expect it, but you aren't ready for it when it does come. Has, any, has anybody ever gone to the grocery store? It's a little cloudy out. You thought, oh, it might rain. It might rain a little bit. You go into the grocery store, and when you're ready to come back out, it is a complete torrential downpour, and there you are standing without an umbrella trying to get to your car. I say that to say you know it's going to rain at some point. We, we can fully confidently expect that at some point this year we're going to have some rain. In fact, we are living, breathing proof that we had some rain because it was enough rain to flood our downstairs. And so I, we know with confidence that there will be some storms. In fact, when they got in this boat to go to the other side, these, these disciples Many of them were fishermen by trade. They had been out on the Sea of Galilee plenty of times. They understood the weather conditions out there. And this wasn't the first storm that they've ever been through. But there was something uniquely violent and terrifying about this storm that caused them to panic. For whatever reason... They normally experience storms, and they probably just dealt with it. They did what they needed to do to sail and, and, to, and to go where they needed to go and even get back to shore. But there was something about this storm that was uniquely terrifying to them. The, the, like, you may have experienced some storms in your life. You may think you have some skills to sail the stormy waters, but there are times in your life where there will be storms that are beyond what you have ever been experienced in, in your life. And it will come at an unexpected time. You think you can have faith in certain situations until those situations affect you. I, it's hard for us to really truly judge the level of faith somebody has until we are in the situation ourselves. And so we can look at these disciples and say, how, how could you possibly be afraid? Jesus was in the boat with you. And then we find ourselves in a storm of life where Jesus is supposed to be in the boat with us, and yet we find ourselves asking the same question they asked, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? And that, that is the number one question we will ask God when we are faced with a violent storm. Is, do you not even care about me? How could you be asleep in a storm, Jesus? How, how could you not be awake and worried about it like we are worried about it? Has anybody ever found themselves in a position like that? Like, Hey, hey, Jesus, you see all this going on, right? You're just over here taking a nap. You're sleeping, or to us, we think he's sleeping. And, and we're, we're like, how could you possibly sleep at a time like this? Don't you care that the water's coming in the boat? Don't you care that we're about to capsize and we're going to sink and we're going to perish and we're going to die out here? I, I, learned, I, I learned some things in my life, and I, I know I'm not all that old and and I don't have all that much life experience quite yet, but one thing I have learned is that the things that we stress about and worry about, Jesus doesn't even flinch at. 
There are things that stress us out and worry us and cause us to panic and think that it is the end and that we are perishing. Has anybody ever been in a situation where you thought, there's no way I'm going to make it through this? This is the end for me. Has anybody ever felt that way before, that you felt like this is the end? You can talk back today, this morning a little bit. It's all right. But yet here you are, still here today. What I learned in this scripture and what God spoke to my heart is that Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus was able to sleep during this storm is that he understood that the storm was not the final destination. It was part of the journey. It was part of the path. It was part of where they were headed. But it was not the end. But when we get into a storm, we look at it and say, this must be it. This must be the end. This must be where it all comes to a close for me. And this chapter, this isn't just the end of a chapter or part of the book. This is the end of the book, and it's all over here, and there's nothing else to be had and nothing else. But Jesus, at the beginning of this scripture, looked at his disciples and said, let's go to the other side, meaning that there is a destination that we have in mind, and it's not in the storm. It's not in the middle of the sea. It's on the other side of the sea. But yet so many times we find ourselves facing a storm and we think this is it. This is the end. This is, this is, where, I, this is where I find myself to be buried because I won't be able to get through this. Time after time, people I have talked to have had that same feeling and yet they are still here today. Why? Because if Jesus says, let's go to the other side, he means it. He understood that there was something on the other side, and that's where they were headed. The storm was not their destination. The storm was part of the journey to get to the destination, but it wasn't the destination. So what causes the storm? Your Bible teaches you a couple things. It teaches you a lot of things about the enemy. But two of the things I want to focus on is, number one, the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of all lies. Number two, he is the prince of the power of the air. Well, if you understand something about the Sea of Galilee, is it sits over 600 feet below sea level, and the the geography of that location causes many times, it wasn't uncommon for sudden windstorms to occur. The way the cold fronts and the warm fronts moved, a lot like we study, if you remember back to science class uh, in in school where they talked about the way warm air and cold air mixed and that would cause tornadoes and things like that and water spouts and all of those things. It was not uncommon because of the geography of that area for sudden windstorms to come through. But I've, I, I, as I begin to study this and pray about this, God spoke to me and said, what happened in the physical there represents something spiritual for us. It's that there is an enemy who looks at our positioning and, and sometimes the place that we find ourselves in, our location, our geographical location, gets us in a position where we are prone to a sudden windstorm. And he sees that, and him being the prince of the power of the air and, and, and a liar and the father of all lies, he uses his lies to send sudden windstorms to stir up the atmosphere around us. The definition of a storm is a violent disruption 
disruption in the atmosphere. And he will send, he will send lies and different circumstances your way to disrupt the location you are in to keep you from getting to the other side. He will use his lies to create storms in your life. And they come suddenly, and they come in the midst of your journey on your way to where God is calling you to go. It comes at the most inconvenient. The, the best way for a lie to be effective and for you to believe it is for it to be well-crafted and well-timed. There is nothing like a storm to make you believe that your boat is going to sink. If, if they were not in a boat out on the middle of the water, the storm would have had no impact on them whatsoever. But because they were in a place and they were on a journey with Jesus and that, that journey happened to be in, in the water and on the sea, that the enemy knows that when we're in a similar location in our life on a journey with Jesus, that in that particular place, he can send a storm in that area. He can send trial in that area. He can send lies into that environment. And it will stir up that environment in a way that manipulates that specific atmosphere, that specific area of our life to make us feel as if we are in a storm and we aren't going to make it to the other side. This storm was a well-crafted lie that made them believe they weren't going to make it to the other side. And I know that because they said to Jesus once again, don't you care that we are perishing? They believed with everything in them that they were going to perish right then and there. And it was a lie. It was a lie. It was well-crafted. He used the place that they were in and disrupted it. It was well-timed. It was in the middle of their journey. It fully deceived the disciples into believing that what God had said and what Jesus had said when they began this journey of let's go to the other side, it made them believe that it was not true, that they were not going to make it to the other side. See, the enemy will send many lies to stop you on your journey because he's terrified of what will happen if you reach the other side. Do you know what the location was at the other side of the sea on this journey? It was the place, the country called Gerasenes. It starts in Mark chapter 5. And it's also known as the place of the man who had a demon called Legion. And it is the place where Jesus shows up, casts that demon out, and then leaves. He knew the assignment and where, where that boat was heading, and it was a place where he would be defeated. You see, God's purpose in your life, that end point for you, is a place of victory. And it's when you get victory, the devil gets defeat. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you from getting to that place. And if he can send a storm and make you abandon ship and jump ship and swim back to where you started because that was a safe place and that was a place of harbor and, and, and a place where you can watch the storm happen but you don't have to be impacted by it, he will send whatever lie to get you to do that. 
He will do whatever he can possibly do to keep you from reaching where you need to go because he knows that if you ever reach where God is calling you to go, there is great victory for you and great defeat for him. No wonder he sent this storm. No wonder because he knew what would become of his plan. Isn't it funny, though, how how this one man who was possessed, I'm I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but I think this is for somebody today, how this one man, just this one man that they were heading towards, they went through such a great storm. They went through so much in that storm and in this journey to get to this one man. Isn't it amazing the extent that Jesus will go to reach us? Jesus knew every step of this journey, how hard it would be, and he went anyway. And I'm not just talking about the sea and the storm. I'm talking about the cross. And I think somebody needs to be reminded that if Jesus will go to those great lengths to reach this point where you are at, if you are maybe not in the boat, but you're the one he's trying to get to, that he will stop at nothing to make sure you win and you have freedom. But on this journey, on this storm, we find that the waves are crashing over. Jesus is asleep. They awaken Jesus. And they're wondering, what, what is wrong with this man that he's asleep in a storm? Have we ever, like, Looked at, have you ever met somebody who's very just stoic and calm and, and whatever in like the craziest of circumstances? And you're like, what is wrong with you that you're not worried about this? I'm worried about it. You should be worried about it. Why, aren't, why doesn't this bother you like it? About, has anybody ever been like that? There, there's not much that bothers me. It takes a lot to get me riled up about things. But when I do, I think there's something wrong with everybody else that isn't messed up. I'm like, Because I, I look at myself and I say, I know that nothing usually ever bothers me or stresses me out. I'm very even-keeled and I, and I can do most things, but there are certain things that will get me riled up. And then I look at the situation and say, listen, I'm calm usually, and you're the person that's usually riled up, and you're not. And if this, you should be riled up. This is serious. And I get that mentality. So we've all been there to where we think that if it bothers us, it should bother everybody else. And we think there's something wrong with the person who's not bothered. But what if it's not that there's something wrong with them, but there's something right with them? What if, what if, the peace is not a problem. I know that that doesn't sound like, it sounds like, well, duh, peace isn't a problem. But peace isn't a problem when you're the one with the peace. It's only a problem when everybody but you has that peace. And we look at people, there's something wrong with you. You ain't been out of shape about this. But what if we looked at ourselves and said, maybe there's something right and I need what they got. 
Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Let's be honest here. And I've learned that ignorance is only bliss for the person being ignorant because usually their ignorance is causing problems for everybody else around them. But there are some cases where, where you know exactly what you're going through. That person knows exactly what's going on. And I've been able to look at situations and be like, don't you see all this? And that person be like, well, yeah, I see all it, but I ain't worried about it. God's got it. And you want to smack that person. Jesus is asleep in this boat. And I wonder if the, the other reason he is asleep, not just that he knows that the storm is not the destination. He's like, hold on a second. I ain't worried about this storm because I know there's another place for us to go. So I'm just going to rest and just kind of let this go by and the storm will end eventually. We'll get through it. No big deal. But I wonder if the reason, the other reason is because he was able to rest on the truth of his own word. You know what gave him the confidence to know that there was a destination on the other side? Was the, his own promise that he made at the beginning of let's go to the other side. That wasn't like a suggestion. It wasn't like Jesus said, hey, you know what would be a really good idea? Is if we got in this boat and went to the other side. It was like a guarantee that, hey, let's go to the other side. In other words, let's get in this boat, let's go because we're going to the other side. In other words, he was promising them that if we go, because I said we're going to the other side, that we will actually get there. But like I said, those, those lies creep in, and they counteract the truth of what he said, because the reality of human nature is we will believe what we are currently experiencing and we will give more credit to the circumstance and the situation because it's real and it's tangible than we will what God said in his promise of let's go to the other side. Why? Because we haven't reached the destination yet, so we're not 100% sure that it's real. But we are sure that the storm is real. And so because we are experiencing the storm and walking in the storm and feeling the storm and the wind and the waves and all of those terrible things going on in our life, we will say this is real and the promise is a little bit questionable right now. We will base all of it on the current circumstance more than what he said in his word. But Jesus knew that his word was as good as a guarantee. That if he said we're going to the other side, that we will get there. I strive to be able to rest in the promises of God and to find peace in his word. I guarantee you that whatever circumstance you may be going through, or I guarantee you at some point you will go through something. If you're not, Jesus said himself, in this world you will have many trials and many tribulation. But he also says, take heart for I have overcome the world. In other words, he says I have established a destination on the other side of it. No matter what you're going through, what you're facing, it's already been dealt with and there's a destination called victory. No matter what we're going through, we have guarantees in his word that can be found in his word. And we have these promises that we can hold on to and lean on to to get us through the storm and understand and believe the promises of God. And we can rest in the midst of chaos because God gave us our guarantee. 
I want to I want to clarify something. The rest doesn't mean lazy. Rest doesn't mean inactive. Rest just means being at peace. They still had to do something to steer the boat. But they didn't have to worry about keeping the boat afloat. Because if Jesus said we're going to the other side, he gave them a direction and an instruction. Let's get in the boat, steer it in that direction, sail in that direction, go in that direction, and eventually we will reach where we're supposed to be. Whatever else happens in between, just keep the boat pointed in the right direction, and you'll get there. So sometimes this rest does not mean you do nothing. It means you just stick to the plan and the blueprint that God gave you. And you still got to steer. You still got to hoist the sails and, and mess with the anchors. I, I'm not a sailor, so I don't know all the terminology. You got to swap the deck. You got to do whatever you got to do on a boat. You still have things and responsibilities to do, but you don't have to worry about keeping the boat above the water. I find it interesting, you know, we also find in Scripture the story where Jesus walks on the water. I find it interesting in this story, the, the waves crashing over and into the boat are the problem. And I want you to know today that those things that look like they're going to be over our head are still under his feet. And that is a promise and a guarantee that Christ is above all things. And we, we don't have to worry. We still got to be obedient. We still got to do what he's telling us to do. But as long as we stay obedient, we don't abandon ship, we will make it to the other side. I also want to kind of wrap this up with this. Going back to the location of the Sea of Galilee. And the location making it vulnerable to the storms because it was below sea level. We need to understand today that we have, like we don't have to stay at a level where we are vulnerable. The level of where your mind is at spiritually, the level of where your spirit sits spiritually determines how vulnerable you are to those storms. You see, when we have a more corrupted, more worrisome way of thinking, when we, when we have our mind in a location and we have put our thoughts in a location that do nothing but stir up and they are below God's Word, there's a reason why Paul says, think on the things above, not the things of the earth. Because if you just think about the things that are going on on this level on the earth, you're just going to be full with worry and anxiety. But if you look above and you put your mind on the things of heaven and the things that are above, there is a peace that is above. There is, there is, there is a storm-proof location that is in heaven. That if, you, if your mind is up there, Paul also says in Philippians chapter 4, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is righteous, whatever is praiseworthy, all of those things, think on those things and the peace of God will be with you. The level at which your thinking is, the level at which your mind is, determines how vulnerable you are to storms. And I, and I got some bad news for a lot of people. 
where you put your thoughts and really the location you put your mind to allow thoughts is part of your problem. We, we will watch the news. I watch the news in the mornings. I like to drink coffee, turn on the news, really just to see the weather. And anymore, it used to like, I used to get kind of worked up about stuff. You know, you turn on the news and you see stuff about Russia and China and all this stuff about going to cryptocurrency and the dollar losing all of its value and, and all of these things. I had a discussion about this with somebody the other day and there's the nuclear warfare and all of this stuff. And, you know, there, there was a point in my life where that stuff would get me all messed up and all worried about it. Because I, I was forgetting to look at the bigger picture of what all that would bring. And yeah, those things are not going to be a good time. And the Bible is very clear that things are going to get a whole lot worse and then Jesus is going to come back. But the problem is, is we forget the part about Jesus coming back. And we get focused on the downward spiral of the world. And let's, let's be real here. Like, the world is like a roller coaster, there, and, and, and it'll change, and, it'll, and there'll be a season where we feel everything's great and wonderful, and then all of a sudden it'll drop, and you have, like, the Great Depression, and then you come out of it, and it's like, oh, hey, the industrial area, uh, the industrial age, where everything's wonderful, and the economy is booming. And I also, when I had this discussion with somebody the other day, we talked about, isn't it funny that the doom and gloom really comes out when the economy is down? But when the economy's booming, nobody's thinking the world's going to end. This, this is really off my notes. Not that I have very many notes because, like I said earlier, they all blew up somewhere in the technology world. Does, what does that say about the things that we worship and the things we put our trust in? That when the dollar's value changes, we think the, the nuclear war is going to break out. Then things aren't even connected your conspiracy theorist. I say all this to say this. I used to get all messed up about that stuff. But now, I almost get a little bit excited about it. Not because I want doom and gloom, but I understand that at the end of all of that nonsense, the heavens are going to open up and Jesus is going to come down in power and authority and if we can just hang on through this storm on this earth, we can get through economic collapse or whatever the next big catastrophe is going to be, and we can get to the other side of that, no matter how bad the storm here on earth gets, there is a promise waiting at the end of it, a destination for us as believers. So maybe you're not in a individual mental storm and you're having your own in, internal struggles today, but maybe you look at the world around us and just think, there is no hope. There is a hope. But it's not a hope that is of this world. There is a promise of heaven. And when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, there will be a new heaven and a new earth where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. I'm trying to make the point here that you can have the, the storm, the waters may not always be peaceful, 
But the storm on the outside doesn't have to create a storm on the inside. Everything may be stacked against you. Everything could be going wrong around you. But no matter what, no matter, you can dig as deep of a grave for yourself as you want to, and I can still point to the one who died on the cross, that the light of the world that determines we will not die, but we will have eternal life. So no matter what grave you have dug for yourself in your own mind, there is a promise of eternal life. Even, even if the stuff you're going through on this earth leads to physical death. If, you're, if the doctor's report is bad and you don't survive this life on earth, you have an eternal hope in heaven. No matter how bad you want to make it out to be in your head, I can still tell you and guarantee you that if you have a faith and relationship with Jesus Christ, the only, the only true outcome at the end of all of this is an eternal life of peace, hope, joy, celebration, and worship. And if we can get ourselves to be focused on the truth and promise of his word, it doesn't matter what storm comes our way. We can have peace in the storm. Because we know the God of peace. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?